1: That's nice, citrusy. Some orange flavor, some lemon, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Quite nice. What are we drinking? It is from a Vancouver brewery called oh.
2: Lowit Brewing. Never heard of it. And this is, I believe, the Iron Horse.
1: The Iron Horse. Yes. I like it.
2: And we got it from uh, Growler Guys this morning, uh, or I grabbed it rather on my way down um, to our North Queen Anne studio.
1: That's correct. Location number two. Great pick. Cheers.
2: So we've got a couple titles we're gonna do for first impressions. Both are led by some pretty strong female casts. One is Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which I only know that Kate Blanchett is the main character in, but I'm kind of hoping for maybe uh, you know something that could be as good as A Simple Favor, yeah, just to get my expectations out in the beginning. And then Greta with Isabelle Huppert and your favorite actress, and mine, Chloe Grace Moretz.
1: in friend of the show uh,
2: horror film thriller mm. film uh, dark it looks like it could be potentially as good as Gone Girl based on what
1: I'm reading so good stuff how do you feel about starting with where'd you go Bernadette great let's do it let's do
2: it remember when you told me if I got perfect grades all the way through middle school I could have anything I wanted
1: I think it was to ward off any further talk of a pony
2: want to know what it is
1: I don't know do we a family trip to Antarctica ponies are cute and maybe not as much trouble as we thought we will never guess what happened She disappeared. Bernadette. What? She didn't just vanish. All right. We just watched the trailer for Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Directed by Richard Linklater. First was directed
2: by Richard Linklater. Oh, yeah. I thought you already said that. Nope. Oh. All right. Well, that's even more enticing.
1: There you go. Um,
2: My first thing is that this seems like maybe the most complex and well-rounded character that she's going to have gotten to play since uh, Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. Mm. Um, I'm not too sure about, uh, such a broad supporting cast,
0: mm. Yeah,
2: but if they play it well and, and it ends up being kind of a Poirot, like slapstick, mm. uh, thing with all these side characters, it'll go well. It's certainly not in that simple favor, um, tone that I thought maybe it would be,
0: Yeah, but yeah. It,
2: it does have that screenplay motif that, uh, what, what was the, um. The film with Lola Kirky and um, mm. uh, Zoe Kravitz. Gemini. Gemini. That's, yeah, same premise there too. Right? Another
1: one about a character going missing and the rest of the cast going on a hunt yes. for that character. Yeah, um, it looks a little more commercial than I was expecting, just knowing that it was from Richard Linklater. Yeah. Um, so I will be very curious to see like what sort of um, idiosyncrasy he brings, because I think he usually does even bring to his commercial project something a little bit distinct um i've heard of him as one of those directors who kind of does the uh one for them one for me kind of thing where he has his what personal what would you projects. say he did for others um i think i've heard school of rock tossed in that category School of rock wow yeah did. okay yeah. um uh, but like i don't know that i like i don't think that's a bad movie i like that movie yeah
2: no um, i i like that movie too it, yeah but like when i think of all his movies i like all of them or i love yeah. all of them but they never feel
1: corporate. I agree. Even something like uh, I think his last one was "Last Flag Flying" with yeah. Brian Cranston. Yeah, that was um, deeply personal. Yeah. Well, oh, th- that's interesting. Some people I, th- I heard put that in the commercial bucket. So really, it did not it's do well commercially, and I think I know. it's
2: because it was so um,
1: because it was a, a,
2: th- a three character like classic stage play yep. about going through grief. It, you mm-hmm. know, you're just taking something that you would expect to see in a mammoth play and really bringing just a a good group of actors and a setting to it. But that is interesting to see that Lawrence Fishburne is reteaming with him now that I'm thinking about these correlations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's easily one of my favorites between like Boyhood, the before trilogy, Slacker. And then I think you do sense that kind of commercial touch in others, but he always seems to kind of have his, just his own style even in those projects so um i'll be interested just to see what it is that makes this sort of you know personal to him um i know it's set in seattle i think the it's based on a book i knew Mm -hmm, that that's what um yeah and i think uh the author is from seattle as well okay um have to have on the
2: podcast huh yeah yeah exactly
1: (laughs) um interested to see how that uh uses any uh, interesting Seattle locations other than the Space Needle. Mm-hmm. That's usually our trademark. It'd we be nice we to, basically uh, just
2: get some port shots of the Christmas lights over the Space Needle, so we know that they were shooting uh, last year, probably.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah,
2: I'm excited. It's it's um, something that I'm not going to get too excited for, but I, I hope it's at least as good as Last Flag Flying was.
1: Yeah, optimistic, at least.
2: Um, I well, like it. should we hop over to Greta? Where is this? I have a bag that I found that I think belongs to Greta Hedag. Oh,
0: bless your heart. Where did you find it? On the subway. Oh, would you like a cup of coffee? You've been so kind.
2: Did you find them? I guess she's been finding bags around the city. I was hoping
1: someone brings them back to her. And you did. Oh my god, it's her.
0: Just try to get rid of Greta.
2: Michael, that's uh, Greta. What do you think?
1: I think this looks pretty cool. I uh, really like Isabelle Huppert, who I don't think we've talked about on the podcast before. I think this is the first time I've seen her in an English-speaking role. Very interested to see how that plays. Um, and I think it looks pretty suspenseful and uh, packs some satisfying tension. I'm intrigued. What about you? The uh, The same. But I, I'm very like, I've got some high expectations for this
2: one. Th- mm. This is the situation that happened with uh, Clouds of Sils Maria, mm. where because of the absolute incredible strength of the actresses around Chloe,
0: mm. she
2: was able to really perform well. Yeah. And Isabel Huppert and Mika Monroe in a supporting role, yeah. bolstering Chloe, I think are going to make this one of her standout performances.
1: Yeah. As bring out the best in her. Yeah. For sure. Um, any guesses as to what Isabel Hooper actually wants? What is driving
2: <clears throat> her? Uh, some sort of a devouring mother complex, where mm. she lost a child or um, never had a child and is barren and is trying mm. to have these children and then slowly kills them, probably.
1: Mm, You know, it's
2: it's somewhere between Get Out and The Devouring Mother.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was almost thinking about Sharp Objects and the mother wanting to uh, control the kids and keep them like a doll within her reach and grasp. Um, Probably driven by loneliness taken too far, obviously. Um, We see a needle fall and... We we see yeah. her
2: chain We see Chloe chained up, and Mako running towards the subway. And
1: yeah. Did you catch if it had a PG-13 versus R rating?
2: I don't think it's MPAA
1: certified oh, yet.
0: Yeah.
2: But Got I it. I just looked at the IMDb to see if this is like a director we've seen before or anything, mm. and it's not. It's no it's a direct. I mean, he's done some stuff, but it seems mm. to be foreign stuff. And then he directed mm. some of the Bourgeois series. Mm. You know that one. Um, yeah, this is potentially going to be a a dark horse for you know a, a quiet place type of an experience. Definitely. This spring.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, a bit of a commercial touch, but also seems distinct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not not too much. So, um, I mean, I think it looks good just visually. I think it it, it feels kind of distinct. Um, so promising.
2: It it has a tone that reminds me not only of Clouds of Sills Maria, but like a Personal Shopper. Yeah. If you, you know, like it has that very um, studious lens tone to it. Yeah. Where the camera always seems to be attentive and pointing at something for a reason, which I'm yeah. I'm very excited by.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Strong sense of mood for sure. Um. Promising.
2: Might need to catch Claire's camera before we get to that one.
1: Yeah. Totally. Do a little Isabel Who pair homework. Yeah. I think I think we earned it. I think so.
2: Yeah. Now, uh, let's talk about something just as terrifying, Natalie Portman and uh, Brady Corbett's Vox Lux.
1: Let's dig in. So, from the public's perspective,
2: this has been an emotional few years for you. Can you tell us what audiences can expect from the new
1: album? This is a culmination of my life's work so far. I was under a lot of stress after my
0: accident, but that's what the show is about. It's
1: about rebirth. In case it wasn't clear, listener, Taylor was not so much a fan of Vox Lux. I was not. Were you? I'm slightly positive on this movie, yeah. Um, I was kind of in the two and a half range at first. I actually just bumped it up to uh, a three uh, oh, recently. Doing a dark uh, horse on me. <laughs> I'm slightly positive, even though I think this is most definitely a flawed movie, but I was, I was pretty intrigued throughout most of it. Also... This was the uh, second film in a double feature on the day that I watched it. So I do wonder if I attribute part of my fatigue with this movie to literal fatigue. So I am perhaps Mm -hmm. giving it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Um, It's interesting because I think in your review, you said you disliked the first, like, two acts and kind of came around on the third act. Yeah. Yeah. And I was uh, maybe the other way around, Hmm. which is interesting. Um,
2: yeah, I mean that screenplay wise, not visually.
1: Got it, got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, people, we could start with uh performances
0: since mm-hmm.
1: you were not so pleased. Um,
2: no, she sets mm. a Natalie Portman sets a very high bar for herself, mm. and she's failed to reach it this year. I did not like mm. Annihilation either. I disliked this more than I disliked Annihilation. Mm. But I, I mean, if you go back and you watch Jackie.
0: Mm
2: she is one of the most talented performers working today. You know, Mm. there's a reason why black Swan for some reason creeps up every single person that likes films top 100 of this decade. Like you, you might not at first want to put it or the last 20 years, rather you might not at first want to include it, but then you slowly think about like what's happening, how good Mila and Natalie are. And yeah, it just, it creeps up. She has something about her, her tendencies that are really good. And she has some great ticks here. There's a lot of good makeup work, but when she's performing as a pop star, I mm. saw a lot of uh, girls on Letterbox respond well to that, but mm. I thought it was terrible. I thought that that mm. was some of the worst like um, concert footage that I've seen all year, yeah. especially when oh. I'm thinking about Bohemian Rhapsody or A Star is Born mm. in Context, even some of those moments we spent with Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. From, In that, uh, uh, what was that movie we watched with Jeff Bridges first? Oh, part? Crazy
1: Heart. Crazy yeah. Heart. Yeah.
2: Even some of those moments are are much more personable, and I think shot mm-hmm. more artistically. Mm-hmm. That I, if the point was to feel hollow, and mm-hmm. and fake and empty, then mm-hmm. I suppose that it was good. Mm-hmm. If that was its purpose, but just to look at and, and to listen to, I was not mm-hmm. pleased, and I love yeah. Sia. Yeah.
1: I love yeah. Sia. Yeah, I've heard I read on Letterboxd multiple people say or just, you know, a handful of people as I was scrolling through say that they liked or they disliked a lot of the movie but they thought the concert footage was good. And for me that was easily the part that was most uh grating for me. Yes. Maybe it's just partly not my kind of music, um but I was not crazy about how it was shot either. Um,
2: I also hate the rehearsed dances that she's doing. Mm. I'm more of yeah, a Lord style you. person, where I just want to watch the artists like totally imbibe their music with themselves, like Donald Glover and Laurie yeah. tend to do.
1: Yeah, and it's long. I mean, Bohemian is. Rhapsody is a fair comparison because that also has a super long finale, mm-hmm. concert wise. Uh, I thought this was way too long, but maybe I was also just a little fatigued at this point. But I, I mean, that it just did nothing for me. Personally. They did
2: have a better audience than Bohemian Rhapsody.
1: It had a real audience, <laughs> yes. fortunately. Um, I think I was I was maybe a little more positive on her performance, um, and I, I did like the actress who played her younger self quite a bit. Yeah, she was um, great
2: in The Killing of a Sacred Deer.
1: Definitely. I spent the whole movie wondering where I had seen her before, and then it was as soon as I remembered her singing the pop song in The Killing of a Sacred Deer mm-hmm. that I put it together. Yeah. Um, and she kind of has a uh, Elle Fanning kind of uh, screen presence to me. Um, yeah, and, very
2: dough in the headlights type of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. Um, but uh, similar to how L. Fanning um, in The Neon Demon seems sort of unassuming at first, and then ultimately, you know, has sort of um, kind of strength beneath the surface that you don't initially see. I kind mm-hmm. of felt the same way about this character, um, who maybe whose innocence um, is kind of the first thing I saw and then saw um, a stronger core as time went on. Um, and I, I thought she was great. I I, I liked her uh, just, just presence on the screen. Um, and I, I do think this is kind of an interesting story. I think this is where we're going to disagree. Um, I think for me... When you
2: say it's an interesting story, um, what specifically is interesting?
1: Yeah, I well I think uh this arc of an artist whose career was born out of a tragedy and is thus both sort of um a victim of it and also sort of um complicit in perpetuating how that is how that becomes inextricable with her career. Um I think that's kind of an interesting um Combination of ideas.
2: I agree. Um, yeah. No, I'm not going to disagree with that. I uh, where, where I lean away from the story maybe is mm. actually what we do and what we see.
0: Mm. And the
2: fact that we're using Willem Dafoe's narration to fill in these things that mm. we're not seeing visually. And then we're mm. starting with this very under-the-skin opening. Right? Mm. With this van getting parked and then this person walking down the road. It was very under-the-skin. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is very not what I was expecting. And then Mm. they completely kind of shifted tones. Mm. And I I think that if I'm just taking into account the very beginning and the very ending,
0: Mm.
2: that's where the story falls apart for me.
0: Mm. But
2: the idea of that I think is a very rich idea. Mm. What you mentioned specifically about someone suffering tragedy, then becoming a perpetuator of tragedy while still possibly maintaining a certain sense of victimhood that, that they can't separate themselves from. Yeah. Like, I find yeah. that a very rich idea. It's just the way it was presented, I have a lot of problems with. Especially yes. some of the words that are in the, the written dialogue for the, specifically in Act 1, the children actors to say out loud. Mm. It was very cringy. Mm.
1: Got it, yeah. Willem Defoe as the narrator, says a lot. He like, he's says just, a lot. just talking at a million words a minute whenever he does decide to speak up. Um, and he's
2: good. It's just, I didn't like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I think I was okay with it. I do. There were times where I just felt like you can't possibly, you know, expect me to um, listen to all this and 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 have it as have it have as much weight as I think you want it to.
2: Agreed.
1: Um, But um, I kind of enjoyed the chapter divisions as just sort of a stylistic touch to me. That sort of felt like the arc that you see pop stars take where they have their debut their kind of mid-career point and then they say that they're being reborn right like Mm -hmm. like gaga does with joanne right and sort of you know stripping herself down getting back to her basics or something like that yeah yeah exactly um i to me that that kind of made sense um in the context of the story i mean especially since it's literally called rebirth um
2: or regenesis
1: right yeah exactly um and I think as a visual stylist, uh, I kind of liked his touch. Um, I think the cinematography was was, was sharp. Um, I was maybe a little troubled and still unsure about the school shooting scene itself. Um, Didn't bother me at all. No? Not a bit. No? Um, Not enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, let's just keep that going. Man, I was entertained. Yeah. I mean, it, I... I didn't even know that this movie had a school shooting in it going into it. I did. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I was I like, knew "Wow, that this was is not what I was expecting." A
2: shooting-centric film.
1: Got it. Yeah. Um, I I was really kind of going in blind, so it did catch me off guard, and I don't know if it was maybe just a little too artful for my liking. If it took a little bit too much pleasure in the shooting of that scene, hmm. um, um, I didn't I didn't hate it, but I did sort of just question it as I watched it. Um, at the same time that it kind of worked on me.
2: So one of my biggest problems with it is the huge setup for the failed explosion of the van. Mm. There was such an easier visual way of getting us there that it wouldn't have wasted all that time. Mm. Uh, th- that would have, uh, I think, appreciated, maybe not into it being a better film, but a better movie and more entertaining through through ride mm. of a movie. Did you feel any fatigue at how long that opening shot was to set up the van? And then how mm. they spent all that time kind of building up the tension of the fact that it's going to go off, and then it fails.
1: No, not particularly. Uh, I mean, Bobby, I could I could see really. that, but <laughs> yeah, I I was, I was with it through that first act. Um, I was, and I think I was, I was pretty gripped. I think I felt more fatigue in Act Two when Natalie Portman actually shows up in character, and we're in the hotel or the adjacent diner for most of Act Two until the concert. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- to me, something about kind of just the momentum from conversation to conversation there, yeah, um, it did felt lacking it. a little bit.
2: It, it um, just, I, I think maybe felt off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause she was bringing
2: passion. I think everyone was kind yeah. of bringing it. So I don't, I, if it's lacking, I guess it's lacking something more substantive
1: in quality. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I mean, I mean, I would maybe, I, I don't know if I can decide if it's writing or directing or what, but it just felt like those conversations were kind of just strung together. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't really like some, any snowballing of momentum or something like that. I didn't need it to build to, you know, some explosive climax, but it did feel like we were just sort of hitting check, check marks in conversations or something yeah. like that. Some of which were interesting. Um, and I think, The performance was interesting to me just in how it sort of is um, willing to not portray her particularly fondly um, and show her kind of selfishness and um, ego at the same time that it also recognizes her, as I kind of already mentioned, as a victim of the circumstances she was kind of of, of born out of. Um, But uh, it's something more sort of about, like, rhythm in how this— Kind of fails to be satisfying. I may be talking myself back into that two and a half. Yeah. Um,
2: well, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite scene?
1: Mm, probably something from act one. Um, I mean, I think there were some, like, honestly, just the first image that comes to mind is the sequence of um, cop cars and ambulances going to the school. Hmm. This is just a visual touch. I don't know this is my favorite scene or conversation. You say cops Um,
2: and ambulances, and I'm just starting to think of the mule and how well that was shot ah, at the hotel. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: I think uh, just in terms of light and the camera movement there, I think it was uh, um, well composed. I remember one particular shot where the, the camera spins as if it were on top of the cop car and itself like were attached to the spinning the siren. siren. Yeah. yeah. Just a nice touch. It's not really a scene that's just, you know, sort of a um touch of style yeah. that I liked. And I think the accumulation of those moments I think did um leave me pretty satisfied. Um similar with those touches where he inserts these shots of skyscrapers in New York City. Um, at the same time that there's this really sort of big swelling, uh, music, which felt to me sort of vaguely operatic. He was not shy about, um, reaching for some pretty big feeling. Um, and I think I appreciated that. Um, there was something sort of, um, bold that I thought was was quite striking. Oh, he's
2: definitely doing bold stuff the whole time.
1: Yeah. Um, what about you?
2: Favorite scene? Um, I I don't care. Pull over now. Pull over now. Pull over now. Mm
1: -hmm. You're on the way to the
2: Regenesis show. She takes her daughter, who is her young, potentially, Mm -hmm. um, hand-in-hand with her. Goes down the beach wearing heels, Mm
1: -hmm. hand-in-hand.
2: The the way that she's strutting with all that confidence um, Mm -hmm. while she's trying to recover from these drugs and... Mm -hmm. Had but but is showing this authentic emotion and this importance Mm. of, um, even though she is ostensibly not any sort of religious person, Mm. taking that time to pray and met or at least meditate or um be mindful of the loss and and that emotional exchange that had happened. That was just a really powerful, well written moment, I think, yeah, because of how tenuous everything was in the build-up and how stressed out we were, or at least I was in, in the audience at the traffic and the fact... Like, I was still caught up in the fact that she had to get there and the way that everything just stopped and how beautiful the stopping of everything was. Oh, I just yeah. found really touching.
1: Yeah. Great scene. I agree. Um, I, I We hadn't talked about uh, Jude Law, who I did like. I was about to ask you, who's bit. your
2: favorite actor?
1: I think it might be Jude Law. I think he is definitely... Sleazy, but I kept waiting for him to do something particularly egregious, and I don't think that ever happened. Yeah, Yeah. and I kind of like that. He never became Um,
2: Xavier Dolan. And, uh, uh, what what was that movie? El Royale? The Battle of the. I can't even remember the whole name now.
1: Yeah. The Something
2: Um, at the El Royale.
1: Good Times? Uh, Bad Times? Chris
2: Hemsworth's shirt off at the El Royale.
1: Got it. There it is. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, in one of his first scenes, he's having this conversation with, uh, young Natalie Portman at the record at the studio when mm-hmm. they're trying to produce a song and she's not quite hitting the notes or something like that. And he pulls her out into the hallway.
2: And she says something about the swearing around her sister. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah Um Fantastic He's scene. sort of, he's kind of uncomfortably close to her. Mm-hmm. Like there's something vaguely sort of intimidating or sexual. And he does, he kind of has a lower pitch here than mm-hmm. I think he normally does. And there's, yeah, there's, there's something vaguely kind of threatening about him. Um, but she somehow kind of ends with the upper hand and with that comment, um, that she's still giving him orders, right? (laughs) His career still depends on her. Um, I think there were moments like that, that, that I think worked quite well. Um, and I also really liked, uh, Natalie Portman talking to, gosh, the name of the actor from It Comes at Night in the hotel.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, Christopher Abbott.
1: Oh, he was cool. Not
2: enough Christopher.
1: There's Definitely never Christopher. not. I was like, why is he only in this scene? He I needs know. to be in this entire movie.
2: That's my exact thought <laughs> yeah. process, too. Um, he was great. A final, or not the final, but another note that I had was, this is, I'd say, in that docudrama genre that we get in Lean on mm. Pete, more specifically that we saw in The Writer. And mm. I particularly think that some of the visual stylings and the tone and just the use of screenplay and camera really reminds me of Chloe Zhao. And I wondered if you had that experience and if maybe that, um, if you could draw a through line there to why you're able to appreciate this movie um, from a a grammar of images in a way that I'm not because of the Mm -hmm. way that you also appreciated the writer.
1: That's interesting. I mean, I would say if I, I, I would probably describe Vox Lux as a little as more pretentious than the writer for sure um in a in a way that I'm kind of okay with and I think there is there's a stronger use of irony maybe in Vox Lux. and um
2: Yeah but those are all screenplay touches. I mean visual. Yeah. Like grammar wise yeah. visually. Yeah. Do, yeah are you do you know what I'm talking about? Like from the visual way that they're maybe shooting some of these landscape shots. Even though hmm. they're very different landscapes.
1: Yeah. Um I don't know if I would have picked up on that um otherwise. Um can you say a little bit more
2: um when i think about the writer there is some specifically like uh the he has to um later kill his horse right in the field
0: yeah and yeah. he's
2: in that um in that double wide mobile home and mm. just kind of the the way that the visual fe- it's not it's not that it is a grainy visual but you end up kind of feeling gritty from watching this mm. scene and yeah. grainy, and it's not quite sand, but it's like you're dirty. Mm, like just watching yeah. the scene unfold with the, with the drinking the alcohol,
1: um, yeah. and
2: these military guys, and the uh the the interaction that happens with the uh, old man who comes over with his daughter. Yeah, it, it just has a certain grainy quality that, through the mm. screenplay and the way that she uses her camera, ends up kind of having a, a textual feel when you when mm. you think about the scene.
0: Yeah, and I think
2: yeah. that Sucks might have a textual feeling, like a, like a mm. tactile feeling, when you think about some of those scenes. Like in in Sweden, there's kind of a a gossamer, hollow veneer to it that mm. that is similar to New York. But then there's these moments in the hallways where the sisters are interacting, and there's something more tangible there. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I, I guess yeah. they kind of have this tactile feel to me when I think about some of their scenes. Even though I don't like their films, I think that they're very image-driven filmmakers in a good way. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I don't remember if it was in your review or if you just mentioned it in passing that it somehow did remind you of Xavier Dolan. Yes. Um, after watching Mama, and that I absolutely agree with. I could definitely see that, and just sort of their um, similar interest in surfaces, just for the sake of sort of visual style. Yeah. Um. Those the the inserts of the skyscrapers, the the sending of the camera down like highway tunnel, um, seemingly just because, mm-hmm. um. And uh something like that siren shot um those are all um, m- you know markers that I think you could almost describe as heavy handed. I could see someone being like kind of rolling their eyes at it, and I think many people do with Xavier Dolan. they're like just, just tell me the story man you're 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 maybe obsessed here with uh with how pretty this all looks, yeah. Um, and I do kind of just appreciate that kind of sensibility, something that just just takes the time to be attentive to form um and to me, it does here work in tandem with the content um the sort of exaggerated um nature of the style seems very much in keeping with her exaggerated uh behavior yes. right? um so I think that was a very astute comparison but it's also hard because I do like Xavier Dolan a lot more. I think he pulls it off. Um, I think his screenplays are a little bit better, even though I think you maybe dislike Mommy. Um, I, I think I would uh, more happily watch a new Xavier Dolan movie than a Brady Corbett movie.
2: It depends on if either of them wrote their own film mm. or were shooting in a 1 1 aspect ratio. Because mm. then I would say no. But yeah. if either of these directors didn't shoot in 1-1 and were working from a screenplay out their own, mm. very interested. I think Brady is a very interesting person to keep an eye on mm. visually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that sort of docudrama uh, kind of feel. Now, just now I was kind of remembering some of those montages where you're seeing like home video footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd kind of totally forgotten about that. That makes a lot of sense. Um where we see the
2: the older sisters dream of singing, and then the younger mm. sister just doing, yeah. How that plays
1: out? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it very much does look like um, true home video footage, but obviously, you know, they are the actresses themselves. Yes. Um. So that yeah, that does have kind of an interesting effect. Um. And uh, yeah, you said you did not care for, um, I think her name is Rafi Cassidy, who plays young Natalie Portman. Um. You did not care for her having two roles, right? Yes, I I did not
2: like the dual role of her sister either.
1: Oh, right, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. It's not Mm. one particular actor. It was the choice to have these actors play... It's a very complex thing that I have a problem with. I have a problem Mm. with the claim at the end Mm. that she made a deal with the devil Mm. and how open-ended that claim is made by some of the... um, Transcendental imagery that could be implied by the fact that they recast the same actors without using any age makeup to make it a real transition mm. because that leaves open a lot of possibilities about this all being a dream, about this being mm. um, a, a vision in a coma, about this being a vision mm. of the future as she's making the deal with the devil, etc.
1: Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think I maybe saw it just from a slightly different angle. To me, something about this movie um, implied. Um, cycles of different kinds, like the cycles of um, violence and terrorism, a shooting. We go from the shooting to 9-11 to this shooting on the beach um, and how that's sort of symmetrical with these uh, cycles that pop stars go through in terms of a debut, a birth, a rebirth. Um, The idea that like we're watching people process these things that just seem to start all over again, mm-hmm. somehow it seemed to kind of make visual sense to me in that we see, um, her daughter played by the same character or same actress that it was, that played her. Mm-hmm. Um, something about just the repetitiousness of everything we're seeing. But did you worked. catch that that
2: actress was expected to be, I think 12 in the beginning mm. as young Natalie. And then she was 17 in the end of the film.
1: Mm. I had thought about like that. Like, there's there's just
2: yeah. some technical problem. There's some technical stuff that I have major problems mm. with, um, just because I think they're lazy.
1: Got <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. Um, in general, are you okay with other with actors or actresses playing dual parts, or is it? Do you think it was specific to this?
0: Uh,
2: I'm definitely okay with it. Yeah. But the the problem is that they didn't do anything to make them different. They didn't even put a mole on. You know mm. what I mean? Like, they're they're trying to do something without being honest about trying to do it.
0: hmm yeah. um,
2: In a way that I find, screenplay-wise, to be particularly lazy and, and poor from a writer perspective. And that's just really mm. coloring that thing. I have zero problem with, give me a movie that has Greta Gerwig playing nine characters. You know? Mm.
1: Like, yeah. I have no problem with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just an interesting topic because... The one that came to mind was Paul Dano in a There Will Be Blood. Mm, um, great. Yeah, it. it works there. But I uh, remember people having a similar complaint there. They're like, why? This is just confusing. Yeah. Um, to me, it worked. But yeah, I think to me it does seem to be something that you have to look at on a case-by-case basis.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: okay. Peter Bogdanovich, no problem. Mm.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman in Annihilation, no problem with the dual role.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicely ambiguous there. Um, yep.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a movie that I think would have benefited from a more um, concrete claim by the screenplay mm. in the opening act.
0: Mm.
2: And otherwise, I, I just did not care for it. Um, mm. But I, I wouldn't say that someone shouldn't watch it. I just think that you shouldn't watch it if you like movies that make sense.
1: Mm. I guess I would say maybe go see it if you like Sia and you're willing to stick stick with it until that That scene. was
2: one of the only reasons I could make it through.
1: Yeah, I personally wasn't such a fan, but
2: hey. The songs were well written. It was mm. the performance, not by yeah. Sia, that was bad. By
1: no means am I saying that this is Sia's fault. No,
2: she wrote great music. It's not the, the fault of the writer, it's the fault right. of the performer.
1: That's Fox Lux.
2: Ah, uh, it was. Let's uh get guilty. Let's do it. The ringer. The alarm is on. <laughs> Hello. Tell him I Hi, Love it. Love it, love it, love
1: it. You watched this like 2 days ago.
2: Uh two days ago three days ago it's hard to say i've watched maybe 60 titles in the last two days so
1: <laughs> and a lot of shorts it's all blurring together yeah and it's been more thoughts. like six months since i saw this one really i, I saw it uh at sith so. you
2: just logged it last saturday i think what
1: no yeah. way i'm pretty I'm sure, sure i saw thinking. you logged
2: it like last saturday didn't you
1: Maybe I don't think so, unless I somehow accidentally uh, hit something on Letterbox. It was one that that's I, why I, I happened brought it catch up it to it begin in. with. Oh, let's see. Maybe I maybe, maybe it was, it was a different Michael
2: that logged it. That's, great. that's possible. Let's see. Let's go to diary. Yeah, it was a different Michael, I guess. Uh-huh. Oh, you watched the fits, did you?
1: I did rewatch the fits. Nice. It was late. Just needed something short. Like, well, yeah, let's,
2: let's just do a brief on the guilty then. I thought you just oh, yeah. watched it. My
1: bad. Yeah, no, um, that's all good. I mean, maybe fortunately. You,
2: maybe it popped up because you altered your review or something? Did you do any editing last Saturday? Uh, I don't think so. Huh. And, unless it was by accident. I feel like there's um... no one else that has a photo of op- <laughs> with their opera glasses on.
1: On a letterbox. Hilarious. That's how I know You're it's like, Oh, it's the other guy with the same <laughs> binoculars glasses thing. <laughs> Those yeah. are opera glasses, sir. So <laughs> I know my, my things. You're uh, um, going to have to remind me of specifics, but we can certainly dig into it. I mean, fortunately, yeah. it, it's tight enough that like it's sort of easily, it's not that hard to remember the broad strokes and where it well, goes. Well, it
2: starts out we don't know what he did to have to go to court the following morning. Yeah. Um, he's in a call center room answering yeah. emergency numbers. I believe it's 2 on 1. Um, mm. for emergency services in Denmark.
1: That sounds right. Mm. Um,
2: maybe not Denmark. I can't remember. Yeah. They, Cause they have like, uh, they have English names for their towns.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Um,
2: like North Wales or, or New South, mm. New North Wales or something is one of the towns. Um, mm. but it's, um, him working in emergency services the day before he goes to court. For yep. what we don't know, but we come to understand is he shot someone because he was exhausted mm. um, by the system and how bad people were getting away with bad things. Yep. And he did the wrong thing and his partner is going to lie for him. And we have some interplay with the partner
0: mm-hmm. and
2: how the partner's kind of losing it. And um, he ends up needing his partner to go do some stuff. And his partner says, I've had two drinks and mm. he's like, that's fine. You can still drive. And he's like, it's more like, Five, six, eleven.
1: <laughs> Minor detail. <Yeah. laughs> and He's like,
2: drive careful. That's the line. Drive careful. Man. Mm. <laughs> um, and then he eventually gets a call from a girl who's talking to her kid. Mm. And he comes to find out that she has been possibly kidnapped mm. by someone. And he's trying to find out how and trying to help her say the correct words on the phone so that the person kidnapping her mm. doesn't get suspicious yep. and thinks she's talking to her child. And it all kind of goes to hell from there, and you begin to understand how complex it is to get emotionally involved with a case.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, what I, I can remember for sure is just the feeling of um, how kind of incredible it was to to feel like I was watching this movie and and have all these images kind of materializing in my head yes. as they're spoken on screen. I think that's just a, a fascinating kind of cinematic experience, right? Where it feels, it feels visual, even though it's not right. Yeah, we just it's, watching it's, this guy talk. The sound design is just amazing. Absolutely. It's just yeah.
2: because we start, yeah, we start using our imagination in a way that we don't in other films. Yeah. Uh, Where we're like, even in Locke, I didn't really use my imagination that mm. much. I, I was imagining um, that girl who he, if, spoilers for Locke. The yeah. girl who he uh, we come to find out has impregnated, and mm. is in the hospital yeah. waiting for him to arrive, and and he's ending everything. Like you can hear it happening, you, you know. Like it's nice you mm. hear Spider Man on the phone talking to to Tom Hardy. You get a little Tom Holland cameo there on on oh, the yeah. phone, um, but it it didn't do what this does, which is just terrify you psychologically and have you yeah. imagining like what it looks like in this house where this little girl is calling from yeah um who he ends up calling and and uh there's a lot of interplay between different people he's calling and trying to to keep someone on the line um who's been kidnapped or Mm -hmm. is a little girl who's suffered this kidnapping as well and um and trying to get the the correct services to do something, and then trying to get them to do something they're not supposed to do. Oh I don't yeah. know if I remember the break in scene where he's on the phone with uh, somebody mm. else from emergency services, and she's like, "What mm. do you want me to do? Tell him to break in. Tell him to break into the guy's house.
0: Yeah. So they yeah. can
2: figure out where they're going. Yeah. Um. It, it's just a. It's a special year for foreign films. Mm. It yeah. really is. I think that yeah. the foreign offerings for the Oscars this year are going to be definitely better than the than the national offerings yeah
1: yeah i think this is on the shortlist for yeah. our best foreign language film. yeah with Art well, and shoplifters
2: yep. and burning and Pretty even though i'm not a huge fan of burning burning is burning deserved the palm door mm. all right i agree visually like it is a stunning film and much mm. more interesting yeah. than uh what's getting nominated again uh, black panther
1: mm. yeah yeah competitive year um yeah, the idea, you know, when you hear people talk about, you could argue that none of us ever see um, the exact same movie because of what you because of what we all bring to it, especially uh, this one, right? Like, I, I just, I feel like. I know exactly what images came to mind when I watched this movie and I like am fascinated to know what everybody else was seeing, right? That's mm-hmm. they experienced the same thing. I think there's something really great about how we all sit in a room and digest the exact same thing and experience something kind of completely unique,
2: especially with kind of what, what is ostensibly a three roomer, right? Yeah. Cause yeah. we, we have the main call center. And then when things really start going bad and he has to start making these personal calls and actually breaking the rules to try to save this woman. He goes into a separate call center where there's no one else. And then the oh, shift right. changes. Yeah. And when the shift changes, he lowers all the blinds.
0: Mm, yeah. And all
2: of a sudden the lights change. Oh yeah. And it's all dark. Yeah. And the story gets dark from there. Like it's yeah. this great visual cue because you're you're just in this room on the phone. And I'm pretty sure that for you, the red light oh, yeah. that is being reflected is probably like just next level beauty. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's reflecting on his face during that whole, um, scene where he's trying to talk her off this ledge. Oh yeah. Um, and when we find out how she freed the baby from the snakes,
0: mm, yeah, it yeah. is
2: basically coinciding with those blinds yeah. of darkness. And then, um, when she, um, when a phone falls mm. at a crucial moment and he's listening And we're listening, and this phone is falling, and it cracks, and our hearts sink, and our stomachs drop, and he gets up, and he starts smashing all the sources of light in the room besides this Uh, call light. It was just... Oh, my God. It was such a good screenplay, and a great debut film. It's just... What a year for debuts, man. Yeah. What a year for debuts.
1: Great performance. I mean, that guy really pulled it off and carried it from start to finish. Uh, I think it was when we were talking about The World is Yours that we were talking about subtitles sometimes just inevitably making it a little bit difficult to um, connect with it like Mm -hmm. in the moment. I never felt like that with this me one. Me neither. Not at Not all, at which is fascinating. Like, there's nothing but talking, and yet, like, it just went straight into me. Like, yeah, I just felt I like think, it was very easy to do Do you digest. think it's because
2: we weren't going multiple places? We were just one place with one guy who was very easy to dial into the emotional range of. And, yeah. and so we, we have, like, this base truth of, of what's happening, and then all these other people interacting. So yeah. we, we kind of had this almost a wave breaker. Like we have, yeah. we kind of have a dike in the way of all these waves coming in so that we can make sense of all of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like it, because you're so hyper-focused on him, you do start to pick up on what, you know, shifts in his tone of voice and mean, mm-hmm. which sometimes when you have too many characters or there's too much going on, it's, it's just hard to focus. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of a lot of visual information to digest Definitely. as you're trying to pick up on tone and read. Um, this was just seamless.
2: Very dog tooth.
1: Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. And you said, uh, was this the one that you thought might break your top ten? No. Oh, bodied. that was Bodied. That was I. I knew I read that somewhere. Bodied oh, yeah. is
2: uh, yeah. I could crash it. I, I didn't expect that. Throw its body. The, into the, the mix. girls are all of a sudden out of the top ten. Oh come um, on. Um, they're it's like a tied thing. But <gasps> Vice, I still have to watch. And then Beale mm-hmm. Street, like support the girls, was always on the way out. Yeah, that's tough. tough. It's it's real tough. Sorry. It's not the end though. Well, we can make some moves. Yeah, make some moves. There's
1: time. There's time. Um, any other thoughts on the guilty? I wish I had more. It's just I, been a little I while. think
2: everyone should watch it if they like film. It's just such an exciting yeah. offering that is so quick and so tight. Like it. It's just one of those great screenplays. I think it should be considered one of the best screenplays of the year. I really do.
1: I agree. There's something kind of crowd-pleasing about it. Like It just seems like most people can get on board with this because mm-hmm. the tension just speaks for itself. Yeah. The suspense speaks for itself. I mean, it is it, it, it goes in dark places, but I think anybody will, will be satisfied by it.
2: If you liked Buried with Ryan Reynolds, if you liked Locke with Tom Hardy... Or if you liked uh, Frank Grillo's, was it The Wheelman or The Driver uh, Netflix film that Mm. came out in um, maybe the summer or late spring. Uh, If you liked any of those where it's just, you know, single car, single uh, room, single coffin. You know, just screenplay driven, great acting.
1: Yeah. Solid choice.
2: Listen and watch. (laughs)
1: Let's do it.
2: All right. Let's uh, hop over to...
0: Shoplifters, another Shoplifters. foreign film, also known as the
1: Palme d'Or winner this
0: year. you
1: Directed by Hirokazu Koreeda. I think is how you pronounce it.
2: I'm gonna leave it to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've only seen one other movie of his. He had he had two movies come out this year. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Um, What's the other um, one? The other one was called The Third Murder, which was like a courtroom drama. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know
2: how that would transfer or
1: I translate, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, busy guy. Um This one has grown in my mind a little bit over time. Yeah. yeah, I think that might I might have just had uh uniquely high expectations going into it. Um a la burning. I don't know. I mean even with high expectations for burning, I really loved it in the moment. No, that's what but, I
2: mean. Like mm. burning set up a high expectation.
1: Oh, and it Be- because it they were both them.
2: nominated for the Palm Door. Yeah. And one yeah won the Pondor and one lost and you loved mm. the other one, gave it a perfect rating. I did. And <laughs> this is notably not as good as burning. Yeah. Even though I yeah. rated it higher because I enjoyed it more, it's not as good as burning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um I even going into it, I knew that it was sentimental. I was still surprised by just how it how hard it went for the for your heartstrings. It did. Um Which is okay. I mean, I think I personally just like my, um, the emotional tug to be a little bit more subtle somehow. Um, I sometimes felt like Shoplifters was a little bit just too designed to give you something just to take it away. Mm. Um, but, um, I was affected by it, nonetheless.
2: I I almost felt like it was a Miyazaki live action. At point's... Because of the
1: the grandmother
2: and and how funny and and yet loving and astute. Mm. And, you know, it's not Miyazaki, but it's in that tone of the way that Miyazaki presents these grandmother characters. Oh, yeah. That that I really enjoy. I think the grandmother was definitely my favorite character.
1: I would agree. Yeah. Um, Well, actually, I have to think about that. I mean, there were multiple characters I liked pretty well, but she was great. Um, Now,
2: best performance,
1: that goes to the...
2: uh, I don't even know who she is, but the, the mother
1: yeah, the wife, yeah. slash mother. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. She was incredible. Yeah, uh, I want to watch I mean, more of her. Just jumping into favorite scene, the scene towards the end in the sex the, scene. Oh, actually, also a great scene, um, which she shares with the husband, who I also liked quite a bit. Um, but the interrogation scene at the end, um, where where each member of the family is sort of looking into the camera as they're being mm-hmm. questioned. Um, and the wife's being questioned, um, in particular, her, her interrogation in particular, I just thought was, um, just so striking. I mean, she, she starts weeping quite quickly into it. Um, she's like oh, yeah, brushing all her the, face. All the
2: wiping she does. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like okay. she's trying it's to push
1: back. back the tears yeah. or something like that. Um, and the mom, or the interrogator, is asking her about, um, you know, motherhood or something like that, and she's saying like, "I know this, I know this must be hard for you because you can't have a kid" or something like that. Um, it's just that was devastating. That that absolutely hit me pretty hard. Um, at the same time that I kind of felt like it was um, trying to really just yank at my heart. Yeah. Um, it's it I didn't don't know. hit me as hard. No.
2: No, it's not that it was melodramatic, either. It's mm. just some of those other moments were just... I, I, I enjoyed more, found more to them. Mm. Some of the subtleties of the grandma interacting with the girl who uh, performs in front of the glass.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, um, the, the granddaughter.
2: Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Um, the the bus scene at the end with the father.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: Um, the um when they go when the two kids go and and the shopkeeper hands the the older one something and says don't teach her to do this oh yeah uh another like all those moments where they're interacting in the real world with the or with each other i just enjoyed more than these Mm. close-ups
1: yeah i I mean the the close-ups got me for sure I, i can't deny that um but you're right there is something sort of special about the uh the smaller moments that do really accumulate. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when we did first impressions and looking at a shot of them, like cooking corn or something on the stove. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking like, Oh yeah, it's just nice to see people like eating real food in a movie. And I was shocked at how much food is eaten in Mm -hmm. this movie. Like, like everyone's just slurping their noodles and all kinds of stuff. So much slurping, Um, (laughs) a lot of slurping. It was great. I loved it. Um,
2: Yeah, I kind of got tired of it.
1: Yeah, was, it was it too so they, much? Too much noodle sleep, if you ask me. <laughs> did did they lead into that a little much? A, a little
2: much, but then it worked in that scene where it turned into uh, her like forcing herself on him.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That that was a good scene.
1: Nice touch. Yeah. Because um, it was
2: like the greed of the food turned into wanting him, and that yeah. was just nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something all, something about all that food being eaten combined with just how lived in that house felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think did more for me um, in the days after I watched it than I realized in the moment, just because I it, it just felt so real and so human. Um, um,
2: did Did you have the problem I had where I didn't believe that they would leave him?
1: Ooh. Yeah, well, I don't know that I thought about that in the in the moment necessarily, but I completely agree in hindsight that that is the kind of thing that feels a little designed yeah. um, for 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 drama. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: the, the characters never left that possibility open to me. I agree. I can't see that, especially the way that it ends with them chasing after the bus. Like,
1: mm,
0: yeah,
2: there, there's it's too incoherent to say that they would leave him. Because they're selfish, but they Mm -hmm. also love him so much that they don't want want to go away. Yeah, it doesn't work. That doesn't work. There's a a lot of these small things that just don't quite add up in the way that, although I don't love it, burning is completely calculated and Mm -hmm. adds up in such a perfect, well-thought-out way because of Haruki Murakami's writing Mm -hmm. with Wee Chang Dong's directing and the way that that score builds. Mm. Where there's no doubt about how well you're being led psychologically, yeah, in Bernie, yeah. and uh, it, it's sad that these two films are are just in, intertwined in such a way. Mm. But when you have something like the Palm Door up for grabs, you know, like. This isn't even better than Under the Silver Lake, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I want to say Cold War was maybe in the mix, too. Cold War was in the mix. Right. You, and I, the, I, I, Surely you would put that above Shoplifters, too, right? I, I, I Cold love War. Cold War. Yeah.
2: i put it above Shoplifters um, empirically, but yeah. I would still put Burning above Cold War empirically. Mm. Like, not for me personally, but objectively. Mm. I think you have to consider Burning at mm. that Kubrick level of filmmaking. Mm. Yeah. I, I really think that it belongs there. Yeah. Yeah, it is a perfect film if you're looking at it scientifically. <laughs> if
1: that's what you want, <laughs> yeah. Like if you're
2: if you're trying to treat things scientifically, mm. that is a perfect film. It's just not mm. perfect for everyone, and I'm one of the people mm. it's not perfect
1: for. Yeah, but Cold War was.
2: Yeah, Cold War was perfect <laughs> for me. i yeah. don't, I don't know that it's perfect for everyone. That's a yeah. That's this is definitely in that Cold War melodrama sweetness bitterness though.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Cold
2: War is a lot more earned and a lot more authentic, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Yeah, Shoplifters to me kind of feels like as close to a crowd pleaser that an art house film can come. Like Mm -hmm. it feels very much like a festival circuit kind of movie. Yes. But because of this, you know, theme of the, you know, the the meaning of family, like that is such a kind of a broad, um, uh, just sentimental kind Mm -hmm. of idea that like it's hard not to just kind of fall for it. Um even if uh you find it a little um manipulative I hate using that word I, I don't that feels is, that feels too critical um because it, because of how I liked it but that's what that's it just, does though yeah that,
2: that is what it does it doesn't mean that it's not a sweet film that you yeah. like like this is definitely the foreign film that I feel like my mom can watch the easiest
1: yeah yeah
2: you know out of the year but it's still that when you win something like the palm door you gotta just really look at it close you know we're yeah. talking about yeah. sex lives and videotape here yeah like mm-hmm. it's not in that league yeah it's it's just undeserving of it and I'm, i'd be very curious to hear why people think that that it's better than those other offerings under the silver yeah. lake burning cold war i think that claire's camera might have been a nomination yeah. um yeah. You, you know it, it's just a curiosity
1: yeah yeah um any one of those movies you just mentioned feel like they're bringing something new to the table. Um, I don't know that I've ever felt that here. Even everything that I loved about it is just felt like something a little familiar um, in its tactics, even though they're kind of effective. It's Mm -hmm. just that um, it's just not the kind of groundbreaking thing I was maybe expecting.
2: Because it didn't break any ground. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) this sounds pretty
1: scathing, but we both like it quite a bit. Definitely. Like it's yeah. a,
2: it's a solid eighty, maybe a seventy seven, but
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think on like I think on Metacritic it's like a ninety five or it's I think it is at least ninety. So on meta? I think so. Wow. wow. Not so only that's the Rotten on...
2: Tomatoes has those crazy inflated numbers. Yeah, I guess that's kind <laughs> of
1: where I'm starting, is like, well, this seems to be the consensus, I don't know that I'm quite there. No despite It's very a much four liking...
2: if you round up from seventy seven, I think. Yuck. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It's between seventy six, seventy eight, somewhere in there. It's not yeah. quite that eighty two, where you're like, this is definitely a four. It's like yeah. this
0: is a four, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, one that I would I'd watch with my family, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like it almost feels kind of right for the holidays because of the theme of family. Um, I I could see people enjoying this like for the next month as this yeah makes its way around art houses.
2: Um, child actors great mm.
1: especially the
2: youngest girl when she looks over that porch at the very end that was mm. heartbreaking just oh yeah shattering moment um it, one of the internal thoughts that i have while we were watching this is who i wonder if sean baker is gonna get any of these kids oh yeah
1: <laughs> i know not It's not very often that, like, I'm dying to know something about the behind-the-scenes workings of a movie. But when it comes to child actors, sometimes I am just dying to know, like, how much coaching did that require? Because I did and how like much was much. just the nice set. Yeah. And, or, and like, the nice
2: environment of the set.
1: Yeah, and, and the little, you know, things she would do, just like, you know, she would bite her lip in kind of a distinctive way. I'm like, did she just do that? Because it's great. Mm. Maybe he was just like, do that again. That was <laughs> spot on. Yeah. They are going to weep. <laughs> um,
2: also, some of the interactions with the older boy and the father, when he, when they're talking mm. about um, Mourning Wood, particularly, was oh, yeah. just, uh, you know, this really sweet and hilarious family interaction that you would never have in a normal family with your mm. actual father. And it's just one of those ways that they kind of made a distinction, but also showed how it can be sweet to have family that's not your family.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, So we didn't quite buy that they would have abandoned the kid. Did you believe that the kid was maybe bitter enough to um, sell them out like he did at the end? Sell them out? He sold them out? Well, I'm trying to remember what it was he did, that he then confesses to the father at the end, um, just before he gets on the bus.
2: Oh, that he, he got caught on purpose.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, to me, was sort of implying that he he was bitter after learning that um, his his dad and his mom um, mm. had, you know, actually just stumbled that upon him. That was not my translation. Got it.
2: Okay. My My translation was that he loved the girl so much that he got Mm. caught on. I mean, he didn't really get caught on purpose. He was running until the end and then he jumped off and, you know, was caught, but he,
0: Mm. he was
2: caught shoplifting to begin with on purpose to save her.
1: Mm. And so
2: to me, it was that he viewed it as his fault, even though he did the right thing.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I, I didn't know to what extent he, there was this, uh, this bitterness. He was continuing to feel After Mm -hmm. learning that his parents just stumbled on him. Like he didn't realize after they broke this rule that he thought was sort of a code amongst them about not breaking into cars or something like that. And that he was just somebody they happened to pick up and had to take because he was in the car. Um, So he then, um, I'm trying to kind of remember like how the authorities actually found the house and that kind of thing. Um, So they're, I'd probably have to go back and rewatch, because maybe I'm just mixing up plot mechanics, but I thought he was playing a role in, actually, in them actually getting found out.
0: Um,
2: no, because they... I believe they catch him because of the house. They, they ask, where have you been staying? And he's, like, tied to... Like, I don't think that he turned them in.
1: That's, I think that's right. a good question,
2: but I don't think that he he turned, the, there's something more going on with the plot in workings. I think
1: that could be That's just um, how I was kind of remembering things. It seemed like a confession to the dad um, yeah. about um, getting caught on purpose. Yeah. Um, while I agree at the same time, he, he was trying to de- defend the little girl. Um, it seemed confessional to me. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, maybe there's something there going on with the rejection thing. I, I definitely think that there was something building up, but I don't, Maybe it got lost in translation. I didn't buy that that was that he was deeply affected enough to completely turn everyone in and compromise yeah. everything.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: That's not really my t- my takeaway was that he was willing to get caught to save her, and then things just devolved from there. Uh, I, yeah. I almost think that it's more to do with the little girl and the people trying to repossess the house and the grandma not mm. showing up to to do stuff. and... Yeah and yeah because the the way that they all show up at that address it's not like he could have given them the address
1: yeah I, but I couldn't figure out like why he he it was why that would have been like difficult for him to confess to his father or tell his father he was like oh yeah like I was just trying to protect Yuri I think her name is yeah um, I wasn't sure like why that why well, that I think he scene was angry at, him his, him. at his dad yeah yeah because of that that
2: um, car scene. Yeah, I I do think that there's some that there was pent up resentment and uh, confusion. I yeah. I just don't know that I ever bought in that that was a transformative moment to that extent. I think it yeah. was the beginning of a transformative thing, and then these other actors came in and the yeah. police finally because they'd been there before already. Like yeah. th- that had been something in development for a while. They were asking yeah. where's the grandma's body. Like like there were all these mm. other things in play besides the boy getting caught.
1: Yeah yeah yeah, it is kind of a plot-driven movie um, mm-hmm. and how all these characters are related. And sometimes I was just basking more in the kind of lived-in texture of this house and them just being together. Um, it even took me a little while to realize, like, who was related to who. I was like, are they actually – I think they are a family, right? And then yeah. I was like, oh, no, no, okay. The grandma has an um, ex-husband whose kids – have a daughter who now lives with her like that actually took me a little while to it took me a other... long
2: time too okay yeah, it's not something that was telegraphed
1: yeah that was the way uh, to be told yeah which i think it was okay with but um it, it took me a little while i was like is everybody else trying to follow this as much as i am um a lot of a lot of family dynamics going on um but uh yeah solid
2: solid pales in comparison to roma but mm.
1: solid yeah. yeah yeah the other foreign language one
2: the other foreign language family drama with the better beach scene i would agree (laughs)
1: seems safe to say
2: um i think that's Hmm? it for shoplifting let's uh get to the mule let's
1: do it i didn't
2: deserve forgiveness This is the last one so help me god this is the last one so uh little film called the mule starring michael pena bradley cooper uh who's the
1: is it juliet pinoche no his wife yes i want to say it's diane wiest
2: diane wiest okay yeah yeah, yeah. Right. that's right yeah. we got tasa Farmiga. Yep. Uh, Very small known actor as
1: well. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Sounds familiar.
2: Right? I think think he might have directed a movie. At least one. I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. He's alright. He's okay. This felt a little bit like... um, What was that Robert Redford movie that's his last movie?
1: Oh, uh, The Old Man and the Gun? Yeah, this kind of felt... To me, like, just
2: perspective-wise, like, it mm. could be or should be perhaps his last film.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It does seem like a career bookend, mm-hmm. perhaps, um, which you liked, yeah? I did like it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, a very crowd-appeasing and crowd-appealing
1: film. Mm. Yeah. I liked it, too. I was, I was quite high on it for probably two-thirds of the movie, maybe even, like, three-fourths. So where I was sitting closer to, like, a four. Um, and then I think in the kind of third act, last stretch of the movie, I kind of maybe changed my perspective a little bit. But um, I think uh, just to continue on with the uh, reference to the old man and the gun, just as a presence on screen, um, you know, as, w- what, he's 90 years old? 80 And, uh, his still being able to, um, just carry a movie with, with charm and his kind of physicality alone. is pretty incredible.
2: Right.
1: Um, he's, he's a heck of a performer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I I laughed quite a bit. Mm
2: -hmm. I, my entire theater, uh, expelled their breath and, and wheezed and, and then, chortled and like self-consciously it was very much like the black clansman experience
1: ah uh, yeah yeah and uh ha- you know had i known in advance that it was going to like kind of do as much with it as it did um about an old guy not knowing technology and that kind of thing i would have been like oh that sounds kind of tired or cliche it was great not was the way he fun. does it no he no no, no. It. uh it kind of worked every time they did it like every other scene there was some kind of joke and i think most of them uh, were pretty smooth
2: all his dialogue is just so charming and smooth yeah ladies i think you're on the wrong floor fifth floor is the beauty pageant uh,
1: <laughs> looking quite dapper i think it's like is it like a white suit maybe with uh with some colorful bow tie it, certainly and a hat it's white i don't know mm-hmm. if it's
2: white it just kind of seemed off white yeah, to me yeah maybe khaki or something yeah. like
1: that yeah um but yeah i was um really enjoying myself for a good part of the film and i was Where did it die off? Um i as soon as it started turning into a story kind of about um redemption or him starting to sort of acknowledge um his mistakes and and feel some regret for what he's done i just didn't buy a cent of it um and mm. i that just didn't it, that just completely fell flat for me um, I think just kind of as a genre piece of an an old guy who's kind of forced into this after his flower business goes kaput, that works just fine. And I think that's um, both humorous and um, satisfyingly suspenseful. Um, but uh, the, the redemption arc felt to me like very much just a justification for the movie wanting to show us Him having such a good time up until that point and I just Mm. I didn't really buy that the movie was um particularly like cared about like the pain or suffering that his family actually felt um
2: interesting I think that he did and I don't think mm. it's a redemptive story Mm. and I think it would have been a redemptive story if he would have gotten off at the end Mm. But I think the fact that he puts himself in jail and that Mm. he doesn't start going back to his family until he starts really partaking in some of the more sinful vices or or behaves Mm. with with more avarice, um, Mm. you know, that it it feels earned what he does and and Mm. that he pleads guilty. It's not like he's innocent at the end and is filled with redemption. It's like
0: Mm.
2: he's still smuggling the drugs yeah. yeah. At, the, at that end scene. The difference yeah. is he murders the guys that are going to murder him. Mm. And then he goes and delivers the drugs. Yeah. Um, and then he goes, we go into that court scene. And instead of trying to do the right thing for his family,
1: mm. he's trying to do the right
2: thing for himself.
1: What do you mean by that? He, he by pleading guilty.
2: Yeah. By, by not having that monkey on his back, so to speak. Mm. Of getting away with something again, yet again because that was kind of the narrative. He was getting away with something yet again, yet again, yet mm. again. And then he, he did the job, but at, at a cost. And he chose to mm. take the, he chose to accept the cost of doing those jobs, mm. I think. And maybe at some level thought that it would be better for his family. If he wasn't there, mm. you, you know, like I, I don't quite see it as that redemptive arc. I, I see it more mm. of like a descent into the garden of earthly delights, Mm. Where he finds out that he has to stay there and then um from that perspective do the best thing for everyone that he cares about. And
0: he
1: mm. by
2: that descent he comes to find the people that he cares about as well.
1: Mm. I don't know. I I think it was probably at the party scene where he's at like his uh I think it's Andy Garcia who plays mm-hmm. the the head honcho of the cartel. Yeah. For 11, until again. he is murdered off. Um and it's the pool party scene, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's, you know, dancing up with some ladies and and the camera is just just kind of uh zoomed in on the big booties pretty much. Yeah. Um I, to me that is the, that is the film very much um uh just surrendering to what its real interests are and I cannot separate the fact that, you know, he is both that he's both behind the camera and putting himself in the lead role mm-hmm. um and that he's more interested in um, just the, the the hedonism and the fun that he gets to have as a character. Um, that when it comes time for him to actually um, show some regret for like what he's put his family through, it just feels so phony. Like I, I just just, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't click for me. Uh, uh,
2: that hedonistic fall to, to me was very much him embracing who he is because he, he acknowledges that he's kind of at that point where there's nothing really left to save.
1: But uh, he's do you mean character or like Eastwood is direct character wise. Got him, got
2: him. And that because in that moment at after all that fun and before more fun, he goes down these stairs and he talks to his handler and he says, mm-hmm. you need to get out. Because he has nothing left. Like, whatever the consequences of this are, he doesn't care. Mm. He's fine with them. He's just living it up for now. Yeah. Enjoying it. Yeah. Right? And that's illustrated by when he's on these drug runs, and he's stopping off for the best pork sandwich, or the best pulled mm. pork sandwich, or or stopping off to help a family, and he says uh, mm. a quite offensive word to them. And, and then there's these interactions, right? Like, there's all, all the meanderings off of the path that he's doing. Yeah, within the screenplay beforehand, I think tie directly into that. And mm. just because he's going off the path constantly doesn't mean that mm. he knows that there is a right path and that mm. he's not going to tell people who can still save themselves to stick to it. I think he does that with mm. Bradley Cooper in the coffee mm. scene, and I think he does that to his handler. Mm. And I, th- I think that um, maybe if you don't go along with the importance of that, then maybe Mm. you won't enjoy it in that way. But I I Mm. did go along with that. I thought that that was really rich screenplay-wise. Because, you know, there's a lot of... I I mean, I've interacted with a lot of people that are kind of, you know, beyond saving in that hedonistic Mm. way. Um, And they do have good advice to dispense. It's just that they can't follow it because they're Mm. not in a body that really Mm. will suit following that advice. Like, they've already Mm. kind of done so much bad that they can't mm. un, undo or reset their brain to have these more healthy tendencies
1: mm. yeah yeah i didn't i i like i totally follow the logic at the same time that like i just i can't help but like feel that the movie was wanting me to <laughs> applaud his vocal self-criticism um
2: oh i didn't when, get that
1: sense no? I, I i
2: wouldn't want to applaud his vocal mm. self-criticism i just mm. think that it you know, it's like an old man that made a bunch of mistakes giving someone advice. Is it, is it kind of what I'd break it down
1: to. Giving oh, giving Bradley Cooper advice?
2: You mean yeah, giving Bradley Cooper his handler like th- mm. that's where it lives.
1: Or, yeah, or dies. On yeah, the, I guess on the writing yeah. for. It maybe just has to do with with just like camera placement and that kind of thing, and and how pathetic I thought some of these roles were for his family, like for. A story about a guy who did not treat his family particularly well it doesn't seem all that interested in actually showing us um what that actually felt like to them and it's much more interested in showing us uh how much fun he has with with ladies and uh his pulled pork sandwiches which are great moments I'm not might, saying that like it, I it don't does
2: like more those. than him having fun <laughs> Right, mm. he's he's there for that last week. Yeah, which
1: ugh, I did not like. You, you mean when like she's sick? Yeah, I thought. Oh, oh man, I, when he's
2: on the bed, she's so good.
1: She's good. She was I did so not
2: like that when scene. He was sitting on the bed. I did not like that scene. I did. She was so <laughs> good. Like plant. Yeah, eh, but she was so good.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't I don't think it's the actresses fault but um that little falter
2: she gets in her voice I know she nails she, oh,
1: she's, so she nails it for oh, sure oh god she's so um, good you know, she's good throughout and I think that's a, a nice kind of way to go out on but um I I don't know again the, the the film's eagerness to to show us um how excited he is by his own sort of escapades while that scene was just Kind of painful for me. I didn't. Hmm. I, I that that felt very so off to me.
2: You think the film is excited to show us his escapades? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I didn't get that sense.
1: No. I don't know. Between like, you know, the the multiple threesomes, which are which is funny on one level, right? Yeah. That he's this eighty eight year old guy who has two threesomes in the course of sixty minutes, um, and that. As director, he, he kind of makes these choices to uh, show us all the beautiful women, which is really not from the perspective of the character. That just felt like he's put behind the camera to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that all just well, I think it doesn't...
2: was a, a criticism of the lifestyle.
1: I don't know that it worked for me, though. Be I don't know that the perspective there worked. For... Uh, I don't know that it was really showing me, wow, um, look at how decadent this is. It's, to me, the camera was really saying, wow, look at that body.
2: Oh, really? Okay. I, I was thinking more decadence. Because like, it opens mm. up, and we're kind of getting those... What I would attribute is kind of the same sort of a shot of all these cars and, and this giant mm. mansion and this regal pool and mm. these statues and this luxurious silverware and all this food. like. And then mm. there's also the sexual stuff. And I, I, mm. I felt that it was all being shot the same way which was with a gluttonous appetite.
1: Mm. Yeah. And and sometimes I think that that maybe did work. I think Andy Garcia's scenes kind of were sufficiently like over the top that they felt like the filmmaking was implying to me, it found this lifestyle to be a bit much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were shots that it felt more gleeful about just what it was indulging in. Yes. And that was one for sure. Um Uh, and I don't know. I just, I never felt like those characters really gotten what they deserved. If this movie was really interested in, um, the suffering he was putting them. through, Yeah. But I say all that at the same time that like, I really enjoyed a lot of this movie. Like, I, I cannot deny that. Um, I was smiling ear to ear for a long time until I just thought that on the whole, I don't know that this is working for me. Um, but moment to moment, it very much did
2: you say the suffering he put them through, and it never really reckons with that until the very end, and the very end, he does finally the right thing for once, which mm. is to remove him from them, mm. and by doing that they you know then it reverses and they desire him and and all that stuff, you know mm. which is a nice idea screenplay wise for most viewers you know it's the, it's this touching moment or something, but d- did that build up not work for you in a deeper sense of this man slowly developing a, a sense of doing the right thing for the people around him yeah I mean and that I just, doing that was to remove himself from them
1: yeah i mean i i mean i th- I think that makes sense that him bleeding guilty was a gesture to relieve his family of himself like i think that makes sense it just didn't i i was never i don't think the film convinced me that it meant that much to him because Mm. of i i never really got the sense from him that he was really that regretful of of what he did um
2: because he he started doing you know i mean he was a piece of shit before the movie starts
1: yeah yeah
2: and then he loses his property. Shows up with all the furniture in the back of his truck. Yeah, is called on his shit, and is met with this opportunity
0: mm-hmm.
2: to make this money and do this terrible thing
0: mm-hmm.
2: at this family gathering. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's built out of this thing, and mm-hmm. he tries to rationalize it away as he's doing this for his granddaughter so that she can get married. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's doing it for his neighborhood because his restaurant just got burned
1: down, and yeah. where are the that's yeah. going to meet. Yeah.
2: And then he's doing it for, well, why is he doing it now? And why is he doing it? And, and okay, now we're on the 12th run. Okay. Why is he doing it? Yeah. And, and he's assuming more power and more money and there's no reason to do it anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. And as
2: the, those reasons to do it fly away, he, he seems to me latently to begin to reckon with the fact that he's kind of a piece of shit Mm. and then he goes and lives it up. Um, but, you know, somewhere in there. And I, to me, it kind of illustrated someone becoming self-aware during their downfall and then choosing to really fall mm-hmm. instead of trying to get away with it. Yeah. Cause if you would have tried to get away with it, it would have been more, I, I just don't think it would have fit the screenplay.
1: Mm. Yeah. I don't know how to argue. I mean, that makes sense. It's just too many moments that it, that it felt um, so satisfied with, um, showing us how much, how, how happy he was with these moments. I mean, there were times where it, 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 it was willing to show us some, some over the topness to this lifestyle, but I think so much of, of it was about Clint as director creating a character for himself where he gets to do fun stuff. I, yeah, there's I,
2: definitely an element of that to it. There's yeah. an element of what he gets to say on screen, right? Definitely, and a lot and of what that said works. to him on screen.
1: Yeah, like this might have worked better for me if he, like, if he was just like if he had no family, maybe that might have made the point to me that like what he, the man he is, has already um, caused him to leave his family in the dust. Um, the, so, w-
2: would you say that him behind the camera or the writers with the screenplay? Our biggest at fault for your viewing experience, like who made the biggest uh, mistakes? Most I don't know.
1: It, it feels like a combination of both. Okay. Um, I I don't know that a, a, a story with this much time spent on him can really arguably be about um, regret when we don't even really see the the people that might have that are involved in that sense of regret. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I wouldn't um, say it's about regret. I think it's more about
1: cost. Mm. Makes sense. Um, and direction-wise, I think it's partly him. I mean, I don't. I, I I don't know that it was ever very visually impressive to me, and I don't think I can really justify the the perspective it uses when it um, shows us things like the women at the parties are him having. Uh, Sex with, you know, people a fourth of his age, even though it's funny in the moment.
2: Oh, Clant with the shirt off is pretty funny.
1: It is, for sure.
2: Uh, what'd you think about the Gay? The Bengay? Mm-hmm. When Remember the trailer? No. Where it ends, the dogs barking, coming over to the open bag in the back of the truck.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now I do. Um,
2: that did not go the way that I thought it.
1: It did not at all. I
2: thought there was going to be a gun involved. I thought there was going to be a dead cop.
1: Yeah. Good thinking, Clint. Man, he's quick on his feet.
2: quick on his feet. Scream did nothing. That was all Clint. That opening scene with Lawrence Fishburne and Bradley Cooper is by far the worst scene in the film. It's basically just expository dialogue. Just blah, 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 blah. I want results. Okay. Now guy, he's get in the things going. and yeah, and Michael Pena's like, he told you he, he wants results, right? I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> go team. <laughs>
2: um, but but as that evolved, and they got the the Filipino informer on the cartel, mm-hmm. and and Michael Pena and Bradley Cooper spending time in that truck, it was uh it was nice. Yeah, I think that was a nice um, departure tone wise for the film to be able to bounce back and forth between those things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I mean, it's obviously not very shy about his racism, which I had no problem with it. To me that it just very it kind of presents it matter of factly as a flaw, um that uh is painful um at on multiple occasions mm-hmm. um and, and hard to listen to, but um I think it is just a um character trait that I think uh We're talking really about
2: Clint's racism,
1: yeah. yeah yeah brad well yeah yeah, yeah. exactly the Michael character thing. too okay. not yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not his director either gotcha. um like i would not write the film off in any so, way some because of the of
2: mistakes that. though are interesting i can't remember exactly what documentaries i've seen or i'd seen but the, there were some documentaries uh that it was made by an african-american filmmaker it could have been like selma or something even mm. if that was a documentary um or, no it was um Shoot, what's the, what's the 13th Amendment one?
0: Oh, yeah,
2: 13th. 13th, yeah. I think it was in 13th, there was this issue where um, a, a man who had grown up, or, or, or a man who was living in the 50s or 60s and was still alive, was being interviewed by that filmmaker, and he mm. said, do not call me black, do not call me African American, call mm. me that N-word, not, not the mm. really offensive one, but the one that's a color,
0: mm. right? Um,
2: and that's the mistake that he makes on the side of the road with that couple.
0: Oh
1: yeah. When he's
2: changing attire. And it was interesting for me to think about that because it it could either be racism or it could be him calling someone based on his life experience, what he had grown up with them requesting to be called,
1: Mm, which made it a little bit
2: more complex and interesting to Mm. see how, um, how people want to be called something different over time. Mm. And maybe that can be construed as racism. One, you know it it ostensibly is in this situation Mm. but it also based on that 13th interpretation of Mm. of that guy's preference could be a preference thing where he's not acclimated to to younger people and how they want Mm. to be called something
1: yeah and i thought that that was a
2: very interesting kind of sideways conversation happening throughout the film
1: yeah yeah um it's painful in the moment. It is no. Um, it was
2: yeah. There was a audible gasp from everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's the word itself, and and it's also that he thinks he is being a good Samaritan by offering to help them because of what they look like, right? He's saying how oh, you know, yeah. you know, there's you know, you know, it feels good to help out a nice, you know, you know, a couple of black people or something like that. That's not the word he uses, obviously, yeah. um, and. I, I didn't get the station. sense that it was
2: because of the color of their skin. I just got the sense that mm. it was nice to help these folks uh, out, and he was calling them a name that he thought that they uh, would yeah buy.
1: yeah. I mean, it's he doesn't say much. I mean, I guess yeah, that that's fair to me. It was like he thought it was something that other people wouldn't do because of what they look like in yes. this in this country, yeah, um, or in in this region. I uh-huh. guess this I don't Illinois. I guess Midwest. Um, well, we don't know where yeah. he was because it's like, right, like, yeah, it's from like, Arizona all the way to Illinois constantly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. We, we we talked about the pulled pork sandwich scene. We talked. Yep. Uh, there was the scene where Clint isn't isn't even there actually, but Bradley Cooper and Michael Pena pull over the As,
2: yeah, uh, uh, Latino guy. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, that was honestly like kind of terrifying for me. Like I I very much felt his terror. Yeah. Uh, I, that was a unique perspective. I don't know that I've ever seen a scene quite like that to be honest. It's
2: it's these scenes and the self-awareness of them and how they're criticizing Clint himself and mm. Clint's the director. Uh, also the biker scene
0: where mm. I
2: I don't that's the reason why I can't fully buy into all the to to the way that you're experiencing that cartel um mansion
0: experience.
2: Mm because of what he's doing as a director in these other moments. Mm -hmm. Like, like to me, there is an interplay there that that it's more complex and more self-critical and less just, um, you know, being a, a being of desire and, and Mm -hmm. just, you know, being gluttony. Like there's a a huge level of gluttony, but it's not selfish gluttony. It, It seems to all kind of weave itself into, some sort of a conversation socially mm. or societally that I think is I, I don't want to get lost I guess or yeah. at least that I picked up on and thought was valuable
1: yeah yeah. and I, I, I shouldn't I don't think I can fairly like make a conclusion about the film as a whole because of that one shot I mean I think I, I just have to cite that as an example I don't that, that would be a poor argument to just use that as the crux but um, I think there is plenty of other material that is um, much more interesting yeah. Um, that, that scene being one in particular. Uh,
2: uh, th- there's also a few moments where he's interacting with Bradley Cooper or with other people and, uh, or, or even that cop who has the dog, right? Mm. And, y- you know, it, we're looking at how society treats the, this black couple on the side of the road,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the, this Mexican who gets pulled over, mm. these lesbians who ride motorcycles
1: yeah. and
2: call themselves a different name.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and then we we see how Clint treats himself and how he interacts with the world, mm. and then we see how the world views Clint as this mm. old senile man who should stay in his mm. room when mm. they're gonna go arrest this other guy when that's the real guy and they you know there's yeah. I think that there is a larger interplay there that is interesting. I don't know that he mm. completely captured or communicated as much as he could have and as much as mm. is there, yeah. but I do think it's a valiant effort that I haven't seen. Something so diverse in attempting to make a point this year.
1: Mm, yeah, um I would agree. There's interesting material there. And what's sure.
2: what's the name for Clint? You you used a word I'd never read before in your review. For the character? uh No, for for that age group.
1: Um. Oh well. I, no, I had to look that up. Are you kidding? Did I know that? I knew the word octogenarian for somebody in their eighties, but uh-huh. I think as a character. He's nine years old, so it's, like, non Yeah. yeah. I, was, I had to look that up. I'm like, what's the word for somebody in their 90s?
2: Oh, dude, I thought you just knew that. I was like... Definitely not. He's on a different level of IQ than me. The only two Jesus I know Christ. are in the <laughs> 70s. It's
1: septuagenarian, right? Okay. And then octogenarian. I didn't know the, the uh, 90s year old one. I was like... Dude, when dude, I, I read that word at first, I was like, dude,
2: that's not equestriarian. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, you, you wonder how many people read that word, and they're like, this Fuck this review. <laughs> <laughs> Probably quite a few. <laughs>
2: Goddamn pretentious <laughs> asshole with his big words.
1: <laughs> it was honestly just because it says in the plot summary he's 90 years old. So I'm like, well, I, I don't want to use the same words. God, you it right. that. Right, right, right. <laughs> what are you going to do to right. talk about his oomiver next? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you liked uh, Michael Peña in this movie, yeah? Uh, I like Michael Peña
2: all year. Yeah. I'm going through uh, the Escape from Danimore, uh, directed by Ben Stiller right now. Mm. benicio del toro paul dano and mm. uh it there's some similarities in the way that pena's playing that that dano plays
0: mm. not
2: only in this but in uh he he did narcos um mm. mexico and just what a what a body of work also mm. one of my favorite supporting actors in a comedic role in ant-man and the wasp this year oh yeah i uh, about that just, he he doesn't get that much to do here, but just it's a great capstone on yeah. what has been a fantastic year for Pena and what hopefully continues to be a great decade. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah and you're right. They they get some exposition early on that might be unnecessary, but as a uh, as a duo, Coops and Michael Pena, solid. I'll I'll take that yeah. every day of the week. Yeah,
2: twice on Sunday.
1: Doing the the kind of bad cop routine. There's really not. a—I was about to say good cop bad cop. They're both kind of doing the bad cop thing with yeah. their uh, informer. Yeah. Um, all solid interactions. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I, I definitely I I get confused about what's in Narcos Mexico and what's in the mule because of the, Oh,
1: <laughs> I can see that. The, the similar territory. There. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: uh Kiki's good. I mean what's his name in the mule? Because he's Kiki in Narcos. <laughs> I could not tell you his name. I could yeah. Tell
1: you very few people's name is here.
2: No, it's it's good. Um one thing that I noted is uh, I believe that there's the flashing lights um, bouncing on each side of the ice machine entryway when they're arresting mm. the cocaine user who is really big and burly and was punching the ice machine. Oh yeah. Um, and I was thinking about how similar that was to the end scene in a star is born and what other similarities mm. Cooper's visual style and matter of factness and and really, low level blue collar filmmaking from a star is born and, and how informed and similar that might be to Clint Eastwood Mm. from the collaborations they've done.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I can't remember the, the flashing light scene you're, you're talking about, but I definitely could see that as a, um, uh, Interesting point of comparison. When I saw it, I immediately
2: thought about the fact that you were confused at the end of A Star is Born by the the lights flashing.
1: Mm. And
2: we had a conversation about that, and I was like, it's the same thing happening. It's the same thing when the the cop cars pull up and arrest that fellow. Oh,
1: that's that's the flashing light you're referring to? Yes, yeah, the flashing
2: police lights.
1: Got it, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, totally. I mean, we don't see that many movies that kind of are willing to... I I mean, I, I was about to say... Um, willing to show sort of middle America like yeah. the Mule does. I don't, I mean, regionally, I think Star stars born travels, but they are both very much interested in
2: middle America um, Yeah, and both from Arizona
1: culture. to mm-hmm.
2: the, the other areas or, or the bigger cities, right? Illinois is the Mule, but um, it's the other cities that they're touring to. But Arizona plays mm-hmm. a prominent role in a stars born.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember, yeah, some of the uh, uh, motorcycle shots, um, yeah. And a star is born. I think we're in Arizona. think mm-hmm. those kind of barren, wide open landscapes uh, seem like not all that different from the terrain that uh, Clint is crossing throughout the mule. Definitely. Um, you could see him. You could see Ally and Jackson Maine pulling over for a pulled pork sandwich. Yeah. Right. Definitely.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Or, or at least uh ali talking jackson into pulling over yes exactly while she eats like, like oh, they have i
1: could just see there? lady gaga
2: eating and, and like using her hands at her face mm. and, and jackson you know wiping it with his thumb or something. oh yeah definitely
1: <laughs> just before she breaks into song yeah. i
2: yeah. i definitely I, I will be interested as time moves forward and he makes more films to continue to reflect on how clint's visual styles have in, will have influenced him visually because mm-hmm. I, I really do think that their collaborations maybe informed what I picked up on in his visual style more than anything
1: else. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point because when I think about like like up and coming auteurs or the freshman class, I, and I think about people like uh, you know Chazelle or Jenkins or, or Paul Trey Danna, Edward Shirts, uh, Trey or Schultz, not Schertz. Shirts,
2: Shirts. <laughs> right, right, we got Paul Dano, we got uh, Corey. Finley Taylor or something. Corey Finley, yeah. Uh we got uh Jonah Hill.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: Um I just watched another debut. I I can't Lots even remember of debuts all the this debut. Year. Uh Ari Aster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there's all these guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and in terms of like who who does seem to be willing to like look at um middle America that usually isn't really an enticing spot for a lot of American cinema. Um, I think about maybe Jeff Nichols. Um,
2: Take the words from
1: me. Yeah, he's one that comes to mind. Um, I could, you know, Kelly, Kelly Reichardt's a little bit more, like, interested in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see her doing that. Um, like, I think she's had, I don't know, Montana's probably pretty liberal. Yeah. But I could see her doing that, her well, interest in geography. college towns in Montana. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... It's just tempting to want to, like, set movies in somewhere like New York City, right? Like, how many debuts see set in Los Angeles, right? It's partly just probably for Jonah convenience reasons. Exactly, <laughs> yep. Um, but you do wonder, like, who who are going to be, like, the, um, the the next great voices to kind of um, Emerge be willing out of the to Midwest. do that yeah. yeah, yeah, totally.
2: And I, I think Paul Dano.
1: Yeah, totally. I think we got that right with that. Uh... Wildlife, actually, yeah. or I forget where that was. was That already. Was that Montana, too? Uh,
2: Montana, and then um, not Michelle Williams, but... Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan mm. was going to school in Spokane, Boise, mm. and then was finally settled in Montana or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And then she moved back to, down to Portland, I think, at the end.
1: So There has to be someone other than Wiseman willing to take us there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I also would say uh, Tracy Letts is willing to write screenplays mm. for Middle America. It's mm. just his plays are about five years between, right? Mm. We get August Osage County, Killer Joe, uh, yeah. and Bug, all of which I'm pretty sure take place in Middle America. Yeah. Um. Maybe August Osage County is on the East Coast. I can't remember. Yeah. But, you know, there are writers, that, not mm. necessarily filmmakers, but writers doing that work.
1: Definitely. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah good stuff maybe David Lynch he's from Montana <laughs> well he, he's
2: he grew up in Spokane baby
1: oh yeah that's right um I know he always like signs off little bios by just saying David Lynch Missoula Montana Eagle Scout <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's it even though he's like living in San Francisco or whatever with a giant studio leading the transcendental meditation <laughs> <Yeah>. movement <laughs> exactly trademark <Yeah>. TM <laughs> <laughs> that's trademark transcendental meditation. Not trademark. Trademark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's mm-hmm. the mule. Yes. I love. I I love most of it. I think that it's a good film that I like. That I think everyone can probably watch. Hmm. What about
1: you? Um. Yeah. I'm still a. I th- I think I'm still a thumbs up. I had problems with it, but uh, I would still say it's worth the watch. So is it a Vox Lux for you, or? I think I like the Mule better than Vox Lux.
2: So uh, three, three and a half.
1: They're both threes. Threes. Rocks maybe okay. two and a half.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. M- Mule's three and a half for me.
1: Yeah, that's pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on.
0: Wake up, dog. I want you to be afraid.
1: How does it feel? Best film of the week. That's right. We're talking now about Jules Dassen's Rafifi.
2: Rafifi. Do you know what "fifi" means? I do not. What does it mean? I looked it up, and it's not a real word, apparently. Mm. But in general, it means kind of a, a, a the idea of a thug, like someone who's who's not gonna mm. sit down in a fight. Ah. So if you think about our our uh, our main noir character and mm. how he behaves at the end of this film,
1: mm.
2: um, that's basically the definition of Rafifi.
1: Ah, got it. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, I have to go back and listen to the the song, the R- musical R- number. Yeah. Yeah. When she's singing about Rafifi and and because at the time I was like, I should probably know what this means. But yeah, yeah that's exactly that's
2: when I paused it and looked it up. Yeah. Like, and then this is probably like at the worthwhile. end of the song, she she said like the the working definition of it in the song.
1: Ah, got it. Yeah. And it's just
2: like uh, a young man in the street that won't give up on a brawl or something.
1: Ah, uh, ah, got it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, uh, great scene. I was yes. I was a fan of that little moment of, of lightness. Which scene? Because all of them are great. <laughs> all great. Musical number, though. Nice touch.
2: Uh, best light and shadow we've had in quite some time.
1: I know. You there were had some
2: problems that I had during the heist scene specifically, mm. where they were like, where he'd go to all these great lengths to block out the lights that they're using for work. Mm. And then he'd go stand near the windows and all the stage lighting would be maximized against him.
1: You're like, come on, And man. it's
2: like clearly brighter in there than it is through the window. So it's obvious mm-hmm. that it's shining through and it has this giant shadow of him on like the the shades of the wall. And it's like, the internal logic of this is terrible, mm-hmm. but it's so beautiful.
1: <laughs> a little cringe there, but you're like, yeah, but I like
2: it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It takes it from the five to the four and a half, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great looking movie. Um, man, and the uh, the moments of silence, not just during the heist, but kind of throughout, like the uh, scene where they're testing the alarm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Great scene. Oh, um, there's no music there. You just keep waiting for the alarm to go off If they're testing all the How about when they just take noise. out the
2: umbrella and you're like, what the fuck are they going to do with the umbrella? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I did not know much about this movie. I don't know if you did, uh-huh. but I was surprised. I kind knew of. that I wanted to
2: watch it. Yeah.
1: Um, I I had no idea what we were getting into. Um I just knew that we uh it was a classic heist movie. Um and I think the the heist itself absolutely met my expectations. Um and uh a strong cast, um you know, each kind of distinctive characters but not, you know, wildly individualized. Um
2: No, just kind of your caricatures. But but yeah. they feel lived in.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's one of my beefs with, like, ensemble heist movies sometimes, is, like, each character is kind of defined by a tick sometimes. Mm. Um, In sort of the, instead of just characterization. um, Heist movies like that bother you? I would say, like, the the latest Ocean's one a little bit. Ocean's 8. Yeah, Ocean's 8 a little bit. Um, But
2: not Logan's Lucky
1: uh Not ocean's yeah 11. i don't think so yeah i, no, I feel no, like those fine.
2: characters are very lived in, in yeah the same way where they're like they feel like they existed before we arrived and they feel like they exist after we arrived
0: yeah, yeah. um
2: so our noir character who you know uses the belt he does. um he reminded me of the older fella who used to do all the jobs in oceans but now is too mm. old to do the jobs so he sets mm. up the jobs I it's kinda like if so that guy to me is kinda like if, if he was thirty years older, he would have been that guy that was setting up all the jobs.
1: This is the heyday?
2: Yep. Yeah. And then um the guy that that seems to own in that uh restaurant or club.
1: Mm. Yeah, Andy yeah.
2: Garcia. Right. Definitely. Andy Garcia. Hundred oh, percent. Uh the the girl is uh
1: Julia Roberts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was about to say Julia Garner and I was Ugh. like, no, it's not her.
1: Yeah, Hundred percent.
2: Um Who else is there? The um, there there's like these small moments that evoke different moments of Ocean's Eleven. There's a moment where this guy gets underneath the safe and is lowering it down with his body. Mm. That remind me of the uh, the small Asian acrobat character from Mm. Ocean's Eleven who gets inside of the the crate box. Oh yeah, so that they can perform the heist. Uh, Got that that guy. There's like all these moments. Some of the behavior reminds me of Casey Affleck. You you know, like Mm. it's it's just such a such an important film that I can see reflected in so many heist films, but specifically yeah. in Soderbergh's Oceans Eleven.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was funny to me though, like how I watched this and thought so much about Oceans Eleven and it actually just kind of heightened my appreciation for Oceans Eleven. Me too. Because like I think the blueprint is there, but I did think to myself, like, wow, like Soderbergh really didn't make it his own. Um, like I think this feels like, you know, much more kind of downbeat and bitter, especially because it's not a happy ending, like Armenian yeah. guy dies in the end. Isn't
2: this um, one of the very recent films that he made after he was excommunicated from the United States? I think I saw that,
1: yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Soderbergh kind of took the template but made it, you know, much more buoyant, yes. right?
2: much more American. Um,
1: yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's brighter, it's more fizzy, um, the endings upbeat. I can't remember if anybody got caught or not. Up top of my head's been for forever since I saw Ocean's Eleven. Maybe there's something bad that happens. I'm forgetting, but it seems like a very positive note on which it ends. Yes. Um. Whereas I think we kind of get the sense from the beginning that this is going to go south. Um. Whereas I mean, I I didn't know it, it was a noir
2: when mm. it started. It was. It's either gonna be that he gets away with his life just barely. Yeah. And no money, or he gets away with nothing besides the money.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I I had the sense that it was going to go south, but I still wasn't expecting it to be quite as bleak as it became. No. Um, with the, the the one guy and his wife getting murdered, um, I was like, wow, we are we are in. True noir territory. This isn't just like a noir tinge. This is this is this is it.
2: Yeah, this is darker than noir. This yeah. <laughs> is people getting murdered constantly. One hundred percent. This isn't even Hitchcock.
1: <laughs> yeah, very bleak. Um, but just entirely satisfying. Um, I was very
2: surprised to see a nineteen fifty five film depict nudity and sexuality constantly. Yeah, as well in such a jovial way. Like, I felt like I. Like the earliest tinges of blue is the warmest color live in this movie, mm. oh, that's interesting,
1: <laughs> yeah, um yeah the, the the alarm scene i I really liked, and yes. the which some, one well i I, I like was all back. of them together. <laughs> I'm thinking of them testing the alarm, um but
2: uh, you want to try out my extinguisher? Or I brought it
1: you want to yeah let's... I got some wicked you try my smoke alarm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think
2: I have a hose small enough to get it in there,
1: but we'll try. (laughs) Maybe post that on the podcast. Yeah. Live, live testing.
2: Uh, And we'll just leave the apartment complex and the apartment uh, blank so that they don't, um, you know, come after you for staining their carpet.
1: Pretty much. It's for the
2: podcast. It's for the
1: podcast. Yeah. Um, some of the shots are sequences at that country house too. Um, towards the end. Um, just that just felt like true noir
2: quiet it reminded um, me of some of the noir that we watched i don't specifically know which ones but the images seem to either be call twos or references in those films that we'd watched um specifically the the jules Dassin film that mm, we watched
1: definitely feels
2: very similar to that end scene doesn't it
1: definitely oh yeah um yeah and some of the shots in the city itself when they're Um, first just kind of planning out the heist so Mm -hmm. you see him you know kind of getting the routines of everybody around the store just right and I remember like one shot of you know some cops outside the jewelry store and then you see the criminals up in kind of like the top left hand uh, corner of the screen in the window yeah Um, the way that it does kind of use the the streets and the buildings in the frame very much felt like New York City and the Naked City that was what it was called right? yeah Yeah, Naked City um and all just just really well shot um just good urban texture um that that feels like a real place with a with real jewels waiting to be stolen it's so good it's great
2: it's so good the moments with the cops were so well done like mm. you'd cut to and then they they'd be walking by like they're going to walk by and they'd be com- concerned with a uh, empty deck of cards You go, oh no, oh no, it's going to give them away. And they keep walking and you're like, it's like the same palpable sense of dread and then thrill that you get in watching Ocean's Eleven or even Mission Impossible.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, Yeah, and noir in the sense that I feel like there there is not really a good guy. You could kind of go criminal by criminal maybe and see if the husband with the kid and the wife feels good to you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if his criminality still seems to put him on, you know, the, the wrong side of good and evil somehow. No, he's but a good guy. Think he's good? Yeah. Yeah, I mean—
2: His wife was nice, and, you know, he, you're rooting for him.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. That's why I bring him up as, like, he's one, maybe one who seems okay to me. But I think after, Mario
2: was the one that was, like, the most bad.
1: He's the one who whipped his ex, right? The main guy?
2: Oh, is that his name? I thought Mario was the guy that oh, wait, stole that's the ring. 20.
1: Oh, yeah, the Italian. Yes. Got it, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the lead guy's name was Tony. He was the one who whipped his wife. I feel like he was pretty well,
2: bad. Was that his wife, or was that, like...
1: Or his ex. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, they have a complex relationship. I'm not going to... going to allow it. He, no. He, he told her to come into the bedroom and then did it there. I don't know if that's a deeper meaning behind their sexual um enjoyments so i don't i don't want to leave that very different reading (laughs) this is a french film it's very uh sexual and open and uh i think that i i just didn't have a clear read on how that was to be interpreted Mm. because the the other man unveils her back and says who did this to you and it seems Mm. like it's not like he wants to go beat them up he's wondering like who did this to you sexually. Mm. Um, so I, I don't want to leap to any conclusions there
0: that
2: um, about whether or not that's to be interpreted as straight up abuse or something deeper conversationally. Mm. Like if you would have hit her in the face, mm. like, like, like with his fists or something, I, I would definitely agree if he would have, you know, done it in the living room
0: yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Or
2: something w- with something different. But the way that that was done, I just, I've got some deuce questions about what's mm. going on, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the <clears throat> club owner, yeah, you're right, looks at him and doesn't say, who did this to you? He says, we're done. As if maybe he No, did. he says who did this to you. Oh, well, okay. Well, but he in does a but sexual he doesn't, way. He's not concerned. He, yeah, yeah, he no, says, not about her. who the hell have you been with? Exactly. Um, and that's,
0: that's
2: the other thing, like, you know. we
1: just don't know
2: Um, and another note that I had was when we come into the city and it's kind of this sisters brothers San Francisco smorgasbord of lights Mm. and sounds and and stuff I was like this is where HBO needs to make laddus oh yeah (laughs)
1: That'd be nice—a little French version, a little French version of the Ooh, Deuce yeah.
2: from the '40s to the '50s. I see that would that. have been very—that would be so fascinating.
1: That to would me. be very, very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, great movie, man. Um, I'm trying to think about just what else I loved about it. Just knowing that I loved it overall, um, but
2: um, something about the tones, something about mm-hmm. the lighting, the shadows, the reflections that are used very, very sparingly. Yeah. Uh, there's a I think maybe the most beautiful and interesting filmmaking decision was made when he gets shot through the stomach and is driving the boy back to the mother and how they do some some jump cuts that, that don't really make any sense visually to mm. show what it's like to be losing this blood and trying to drive. I mm. thought that was a very interesting collage and montage to, to use in 55.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: It's a very artist very neat artistic flourish that i hadn't expected
1: oh yeah yeah um yeah speaking about somebody getting shot i think it's mario's who, who's tied up uh oh, under the club so cool floor. Like yeah
2: i didn't even know that he was like at first i was like okay the guy in the back is a cardboard cutout the thing to my left is a cardboard cutout. to my yeah. right is a cardboard cutout and they start shooting and then the cardboard cutout guy starts bleeding and as a person
1: mm. oh yeah
2: it's so good visually
1: great luck it's kind of panning backwards right right up until he pulls the trigger yes yes it is um, that to me felt like maybe the most quintessential noir moment because he said something mm. like you know the rules mm. what I have yes, to do yes, now yes 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 um like great like, line great delivery forgiveness is not an option like i don't care like how that was what like happened what the context john was john wayne to it yep you 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 made a mistake it's unforgivable. You would trade us. You have to die. Yeah. Um, that, that's hard boiled in, in the most noir kind of sense. And I was totally there for Are it. Are you
2: saying we're going to watch Paul Schrader now?
1: I think we should. <laughs> great <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. And just, uh, great to see a classic that just only makes you appreciate the modern renditions of it even more. You know? Um, I want to go watch Oceans Eleven again. Right. Yeah. And then
2: watching Oceans Eleven, you're gonna be like, oh man, you know, I, I think I want to watch Logan Lucky. And you're gonna be like, also oh again. man, I wonder if he's getting some stuff from Oceans twelve and thirteen. Mm. You going to go watch twelve and thirteen? And you're be like, you know what? I love Sarah Paulson and Anna Hathaway and Sandra Bullock. I'm just gonna put oh, on yeah. Oceans. Eleven, and then you're just gonna go down this fun rabbit, rabbit hole. hole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Soderbergh bring in the the idea, or his touch about showing us a bunch, you know, of the heist, only then to kind of go back and show us something we didn't see. That's, you know, a really nice, uh, it just addition, uh, something he brings to it, right? Yeah. That feels like that's all him.
2: Another good heist movie?
1: Hmm.
2: Michael Bay's Painting Game? That's nice a heist stuff.
1: movie.
2: I think so. I know it. Again, I, I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Very nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, Th- this is a fantastic film. And I think completely overlooked by too many people besides film nerds. And if you have the opportunity to watch it, go out of your way. Rent it. Buy it. Whatever. Yeah. Get a copy of this thing. It's going to stick to your ribs.
1: I agree. Um, one that subtitles should not scare you away from because so much of this is silent anyways.
2: Yeah, and even... There were some version, uh, some parts of the version that we watched. that didn't have subtitles going when they were talking, mm-hmm. but that allowed us to go in on their faces and get the gist of what was happening.
1: Oh yeah, which was
2: so much more important in the poker game.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a relief, even yeah. though to just have those drop out while they keep talking and just look mm-hmm. at faces for a minute. Definitely. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's, it's a beautiful movie. I'm really glad that we accidentally watched it. <laughs>
1: Me too. That was a uh, snap decision. Snap decision. And a great one. Run! Go!
0: Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.